Pastor Chris, uh, a round of applause as he comes for that. How's everybody doing? All right. Let me ask that again. How's everybody doing? All right. Um, we're going to go straight to scripture. As Donald mentioned, uh, we've been in this series. Uh, the title of it is Don't Be Anxious. Uh, we began this series the last Sunday of 2023, and today will be the last sermon uh, in this series. And uh, we're going to pick up uh, where we've been, uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 5 till verse 9. It says this, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity that you give us to gather together as a people, and we gather under the authority of your word, and we are here with expectant hearts, asking you to speak to us, meet us. Oh, we want to encounter you, Jesus. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence, that you are here, and that you desire to glorify Jesus, to reveal him. And we ask that you would do that in our hearts. And we thank you, Father, for the grace that you always meet us with. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You know, when you read verse 6, um, it's a pretty strong statement. It starts off, um, doesn't, there's no like caveats there. There's no fine print there. If you just read it there, do not be anxious about anything. Um, in this series, we've been talking about anxiety from a theological perspective, looking at it through the lens of Scripture. Um, and we've talked about it in many ways, but... It bears worth repeating to say that even though it's telling us to not be anxious about anything, I'm going to say something slightly different today that might catch you off guard. Don't worry if it feels a little bit alarming. Um, I, I don't mean to scare you. I don't mean to create anxiety as I'm preaching on anxiety. Um, but I'm going to say this. Some anxiety is actually good for you. You actually need some anxiety in your life. And now, if you suffer from really intense anxiety, you're probably like, I don't want to hear that. I want zero anxiety. Please tell me how to remove it. I don't want it a part of my life. Um, but here's what we need to wrestle with. The fact is, is that there are certain situations in life that should trigger anxiety in us. It actually, if it doesn't, then there's something that we should be concerned about. Because anxiety, uh, it serves as a warning system. It alerts us to something that needs to be addressed. So let me give you an example. If you are trusting someone that is untrustworthy and that doesn't make you anxious, then your warning system is broken. You should be anxious about trusting someone 
who has shown you repeatedly time and time again that they're going to break their word, they're going to say one thing, they're going to do another. Um, certain anxieties are helpful. If you enter into a room, I, I have these anxieties because uh, of where I grew up. Um, I grew up in Sunset Park in the 80s and 90s and saw some stuff during that time in New York. This was pre-bike lane New York, uh, pre, uh, you know, cupcake shops and um, pre-Vespas. Um, it, was, it was tricky in New York. And so I have these anxieties. If I walk in a room, I could feel danger coming, you know? Like, I was just like, who's that in the corner? What are they doing? They got a trench coat. You don't need a trench coat right now. Yeah, we should probably go. You know, like, it, and nine times out of 10, serves you right. I'm still here. I'm alive because those anxieties have gotten me out of some situations. The, the scripture, when it says, don't be anxious about anything, we talked about this. It's not telling us that you and I are not allowed to have moments of anxiety or an anxious thought. It's telling us that we should not live in chronic anxiety, where anxiety is our default. It's where we live, and that's, where, that's home. That's the only lens through which we see life. So it's not a moment of worry. It's not a moment of anxiety. It's the only lens through which we see everything. And that we're being told to not be anxious about anything, to not allow chronic anxiety to become the guiding principle of our life. Why is that important to note? That it's not telling us you're gonna be free from anxiety, you're never gonna have anxiety, no more anxious moments. That's important to be real and honest about because otherwise some of us might be setting ourselves up for real frustration and disappointment because we're thinking that God is saying that if we follow him, we're gonna have a life free from anxiety that we'll never have an anxious thought. Nothing will ever worry us. That's not what we're being promised. That's not what we're being invited into. What we are being invited into is that you and I do not have to live a life of chronic anxiety. You and I do not have to live a life where anxiety is the only lens through which we see our circumstances and our existence. And that is good news, that God is inviting us in that kind of life so here's some sad news. Anxiety is going to be with us for the rest of our lives. I know, uh, I wish I could tell you differently. Um, you know, fantasy is what people want. Reality is what they need. This is reality. You need reality. I need reality. Anxiety is going to be with us. And so what God wants to help us do is he wants to help us better relate, better interact with, have a different kind of experience. And if we combine last week's sermon and this week's sermon, I would like to kind of paint a picture of like two wings on an eagle. The first wing, the first thing that God is trying to give us when we feel a chronic anxiety build up and this constant state of worry is one antidote, one resource, which is prayer. Because look at what it says. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer. And we talked about what it looks like for you and I to, be, to learn how to be people of prayer in the presence of anxiety. That when anxiety begins to brew and it's trying to reel us in into that chronic state of worry, that one thing you and I can learn to do by God's help is to pray about everything. Pray in everything. And when we pray, 
what happens in those times of prayer is that we're giving to God the things that are making us anxious. We're saying, I'm not going to carry this alone. I'm trusting you to carry this. I'm putting this in your hands. I'm not going to live with this on my shoulders. Your shoulders are bigger. Here, God, take this. In prayer, we offload the things that are burdening us and are brewing anxiety. That's one wing. The other wing, if you're thinking of like this beautiful eagle, God wants us to soar above anxiety. Do you you know one of the beautiful things about eagles is that they actually don't like fly the way most birds do. Um, What they do is they have an ability to soar where they'll spread their wings and they'll catch wind and they 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 can soar thousands, tens of thousands of feet above an actual storm. So while you and I are experiencing the storm, the eagle can catch wind and find itself soaring above the storm, not in it, actually above it, looking down. And so God, when, what he wants to do is he wants to give us resources that when the storm of anxiety comes, we don't get sucked into it, we soar above it. And one wing is prayer, and the other wing that causes us to soar is what we're going to talk about today, which is the peace of God. Can you say that phrase with me? The peace of God. Because look at what verse 7, we'll read it for context. It says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's talk about the peace of God. Peace is one of the rarest commodities in the world, if we can call it a commodity. Peace is so hard to find. You know, it's a a funny thing that money could buy you a home, it could buy you a bed, but it can't buy you peace. Um, uh, reputation, friendships, networks, um, uh, relationships, all sorts of things can add value to your life, can make your life more comfortable, um, can add beauty to your life, but it's not a guarantee that these good things will actually add peace to your life. Um, some, some people you'll meet have everything imaginable but peace. Uh, they lack for nothing but peace. And if we're honest, that's what we're all yearning for. We're, we're starving for peace as a culture because um, we, we lack it. It's absolutely absent for most of our lives. And we're longing for stillness, for a sense that life fits, that things are falling into place. If you're someone who's gone through significant trauma and pain in your life, uh, you're not even asking for much. You're probably just asking for a baseline level of peace. You're just like, I just want to function. I just want to be able to move forward at a healthy place. The antidote we learned last week to persistent worry, one of them is a life of prayer. But what we're tackling today is that we also need the peace of God. The peace of God. What's the role of it? If you notice the language It says that the peace of God will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. So I want you to think about the peace of God as like this massive bouncer, you know, outside (laughs) of a club or whatever, or like the the most like 
a security guard or a police officer or, or whatever that presence that communicates to you is like, we're safe, we're good, we're protected. The peace of God is standing on guard over our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's one of the functions, how we experience the peace of God in our life is that it's guarding our hearts and our minds. I, I don't know about you, but it, it's since the pandemic 2020, uh, I find myself more conscious of like flus and viruses and germs. I think probably we all are, you know, like I remember back in the day, people got sick. It wasn't like something on my mind, you know, but now it's just like, oh, wow, a lot of people getting sick. It's going around, you know, like you pay attention to it. Like we're all like virologists, you know, and we're all, we're all, we all got graphs, you know, um, this, this holiday season, it was a lot of people that went down. How many know somebody that got sick over, over the break? I mean, whatever was spreading was very shareable, you know, like everybody was catching it. And one thing I noticed, because again, I'm more mindful of viruses and stuff like that. There is no one more confident, like bold. The bravado on these kind of people is amazing than someone who got sick and now has immunity. Have you ever seen those people? Yeah. Like the first days after they're sick, they're like, I'm good. They're licking doorknobs, you know, they just <laughs> cough on me, I'm good. They're not afraid of anything because they're like, I fought it. My body can tolerate it now. I won't get sick again. Their immune system has absorbed whatever came at them. And for at least a little bit, they're good. They're not afraid. It's not like the viruses aren't trying to get in them. It's not like the germs aren't trying to attack them again. But for a bit, they have an immunity against it. If you can think of the peace of God as this immunity in your spirit, that when the virus of anxiety tries to attack you, that the peace of God says, no, not here. Yeah. It, won't, it won't live here. It won't abide here. You're built up against it. It's not like anxious things aren't trying to come at you and trying to get you to a place of chronic worry, but because the peace of God is guarding your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus, you're able to stay clear from it. You don't succumb. Prayer provides that first antidote against constant chronic worry, but the peace of God becomes part of our spiritual immune system to fight against its return. So if, if the peace of God guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, I think it's important to understand how it guards our, our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus against chronic worry. And I'm going to talk about two things as we land the plane shortly, which you know when preachers say they land the plane shortly, it means nothing. Um, <laughs> and so just... It's going to land when it lands. And so um, <laughs> the first way the peace of God guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, how it does it, is that peace is accomplished for us. Peace is accomplished for us. The peace of God, one of the ways it serves as this immune system that guards our hearts and minds against anxiety is that it roots us in this powerful reality that God is for us, not against us. 
that God is with us, that he's our father. He's not just a God above us. He's actually our father. And if he's our father, it means that we're his children. You realize that what the gospel tells us is that Jesus has reconciled us to the father in such a way that for the rest of our days, God thinks of you not just as his creation. He thinks of you as his child. And he, every day you're on his mind, I'm on his mind, and he's thinking of your, his plans for us, plans of good and not of evil. He's thinking of how to prosper our lives. He's with us. He's not running from us. He's committed to care for us all the days of our life as the most loving parent we could ever, ever know. God is for us, not against us. He's with us. That the good news of Jesus, what he's accomplished for us, tells us this. In fact, Romans chapter 5, verse 1, if you remember when we studied Romans, it tells us that we now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have access into this grace in which we stand. Furthermore, Romans chapter 8, verse 28, tells us we know that all things work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. The peace of God, why it guards our hearts and minds against Christ Jesus, because it reminds us, it roots us, it centers us in this life-altering truth that the living God is for us, not against us. If you're a church-going person that looks for moments to say amen during a sermon, you miss it right there. That lie comes in. It's almost automatic in a split second. It says, God's not with you. And the anxiety builds from there. But the way the peace of God guards us against anxiety, one of the ways is that it serves as an immunity against the presence of chronic worry that seeps into our souls on the back of that lie that says, God is not with you. He's not for you. Why can we confidently say that God is with us and he's for us? And, and, and just to be clear, when we say that, we don't say that as, of course God is with me and for me. I'm a good person. I go to church. I, I tithe. I pray. I read the Bible. Of course. It's a no-brainer. He's, he's for people like me. No. We say He's for me, not because of anything I could ever do, earn, or deserve. He's for me because he chose to be for me through Christ. What Christ has accomplished on my behalf 
makes it possible for him to be for me unequivocally. And it's never based on your performance or mine. So when we say God is for me, that's not a condition. That's not something like he's for me today. We'll see what tomorrow looks like. We'll see if I'm still on the good list tomorrow. No, he's for us. And he's for us not on the basis of your performance or mine. He's for us on the basis of the cross. If you ever doubt if God is for you, think of the cross. If you ever think he's against you, think of the cross. Why would that God be against you after going through all that ordeal to redeem us, to rescue us, to reconcile us? He's for us. And when we're we're rooted in that, our hearts can become guarded against anxiety and worry. The peace of God, it guards our hearts and minds. You know what that tells us? And this is important. It tells us that the peace we experience is not a circumstantial peace. It's a reconciled peace. In other words... The peace that we experience is not because all our circumstances are good. It's not because everything fits where it belongs and everything is in its proper place and all the relationships are healed up and we got all the questions answered about the future and all the gaps in our life are filled up. No, it, it, you and I can have peace guarding our hearts and minds even though life and its circumstances are all messy. Because we have a peace that's rooted in the reconciling work of Jesus, not in our circumstances. That's why a poor person who serves Jesus can walk in peace. And they don't need income to uh, bonify their peace or substantiate it. That's why uh, a rich person uh, can have peace and their peace not be rooted in their riches. And it's rooted in, their, in the reality that God loves them. It's, it, it doesn't matter your background, your ethnicity. This peace is available to all of us. It's not circumstantial. It's based on the reconciling work of Jesus. That's the first way that the peace of God guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And how you and I can access that is quite simple. Uh, there's a dear friend of mine, um, actually the mother of a dear friend of mine, a woman that known for many years, she actually was uh, a really core person at my previous church, and her name is Marcia Brown. And um, you know, when her and her family joined our church, uh, it, it actually really like diversified our church in a significant way. Our church was primarily Latino for many, many years. And then when they joined our church, um, they, they were from Jamaica, this really beautiful family from Jamaica. And it was many siblings, many cousins, aunts and uncles. Overnight, our church became way more fun, way more better. Um, uh, because they just... their culture, who they are as a people. Um, But I was always impressed by Marcia's faith because she had to navigate incredible things, the complexities of New York City coming to to the city, uh, immigrating here and figuring out things for herself, for her kids. And um, by some miracle, she ended up buying a home in Brooklyn. Like you... You know, like, you know what, how miraculous that is? Um, in Brooklyn, again, in Brooklyn. And so, um, and, and just amazing things, but I'll never forget, throughout the years I knew her, various circumstances, challenging ones would come her way. 
And she would say a form, a variation of this phrase. She would say, I'm blessed and highly favored. It didn't matter what came her way, what challenges, whatever. Her way of saying God is for me, not against me, was I'm blessed and highly favored. It didn't matter the circumstance. If it was a bad report from the doctor or a situation with with a child or a financial situation, you would hear her repeatedly, authoritatively say some form of this phrase, this sentiment, I'm blessed and highly favored. For you and I, when anxiety creeps up, when it tries to infect us, the peace of God is this immune system that fights against us. What does that sound like coming out of your mouth? What phrase does the peace of God guarding your heart and mind, how, does that, how is that captured for you? Maybe it is, I'm blessed and highly favored. Maybe it is, God is for me, he's not against me. Whatever that is for you, you and I need to have a ready response that when anxiety tries to creep in and we remind ourselves of the peace of God that guards our hearts and minds, that we can declare this truth that counteracts the lies that are trying to brew. For me, I often go to this phrase, I know you'll never leave me nor forsake me. And it begins to lower my blood pressure. It brings me down. It reminds me, he'll never leave me nor forsake me. The peace of God guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. But the other way that the peace of God works in our hearts against anxiety, the first way is peace is accomplished for us. The second way is that peace is a perspective. Peace is a perspective. Look at what verse 8 and 9 say. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. In those verses, Paul is writing to the church in Philippi a powerful encouragement saying what the peace of God makes possible for you and I, it makes it possible for us to change our perspective because God has changed our hearts. Now, this is important to note because uh, there's no end to self-help books and literature out there that will say it way better than I could. Um, master your thoughts. You are as you think, as a man thinketh. It, it'll, they'll give you so many resources, and they're not incorrect. There's some truth in the way that they communicate this idea that what you think on and how you think does shape your life. But there's such a severe limitation to what they're proposing is because at the end of the day, you can change your thoughts all you want, but that won't change your heart. Yeah. God alone can change the heart. So at the end of the day, at best, they're giving you a lot of Band-Aids to put on a putrid sore that never gets better. Your heart remains the same. But in Christ, we're told to think 
on these different things, these peaceable things, after we experience the peace of God transforming us as people. And so we are changed people that change the way we think, not people that are trying to change the way we think in order to change us. That's not how transformation works. Jesus transforms us from within, and because of that, now we have the capacity to think differently and to allow our thoughts to become congruent with our changed hearts. Look at what he says. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Now, if you have ever had an overwhelming moment of anxiety, and if you could recall that moment, though I wasn't with you, I would bet money that if we were able to put your thoughts on paper and put them in an Excel spreadsheet and categorize the data, the thoughts wouldn't be pure, true, honorable, lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise. They would probably be thoughts that would be the complete opposite. Think about when anxiety really brews in us and overwhelms us, the things that we're thinking about, the way our mind begins to race. Our thoughts are finding themselves in a place that is unhealthy, that is steering us away from God's promises and God's truth. And so Paul is saying here that you and I should have the habit of intentionally thinking about things that fit these descriptions. You have a choice what you continuously think about. You may not, I don't think any of us really has a choice in a, a thought that pops in your head. How many have a thought pop in your head every now and then is like, thank God for self-control. Thank God I didn't say that. And, <laughs> Happens to me all the time. It's just talking, it's like, oh, don't say that. And so it just <laughs> pops in the head, just keep it there. Um, it, it, it just happens. Don't know why it always happens. Maybe there's a reason every now and then, but it happens. But you and I have a choice on what we continue to think about, yes. what we choose to think about. Like if, if thoughts could form a house, you and I have a choice on the mental house that we're building, brick by brick, layer by layer, beam upon beam, we have a choice. And what we're being told here is to choose thoughts that are honorable, that are true, that are just, that are pure. Because if we're honest, when we're anxious, our thoughts don't fit that description. When we're really in a state of anxiety, chronic anxiety, our thoughts are the furthest thing from that. You know what's interesting? Anxiety, uh, as they're tracking it and studying it, people are experiencing it at a record high um, levels. Uh, younger people are experiencing it at younger ages. It's a real problem. It's a serious thing. And this, uh, hear me out. I'm not saying this is a cause, but I find it interesting that this is happening at the same time. Um, and, and you may not uh, engage in this kind of content, but again, I find it interesting. And so just work with me for a sec. At the same time that anxiety is building like crazy, you know what genre of content has millions upon millions of views, like people are obsessed with it? Serial killer content. 
people in their downtime. Imagine that. She's like, oh, I've had a long week. I'm tired. I'm just going to stay home, rest and relax. Oh, that's cool. That sounds great. What are you going to watch? You know, Bundy, you know, like just, I'm going to watch a serial killer drama. How does that, that doesn't make you like peaceful. Imagine feeding on content every single day that makes you look at everybody sideways. Everybody. Where you come into a room is like, how's it going? Could be a serial killer. You know, like, you're, this is the content. You're walking down, a, you know, a street is like, it could happen. You know, like, it's, this, this is not peaceful, like, content. It's not going to land you in a good place. It's going to cause your anxious thoughts and feelings to just go on alert. But maybe that's not the stuff you engage in. But maybe there's stuff that you feed your mind and your heart that equally causes anxiety to soar. I know some folks that can't watch financial news. And, and, and it's people that have money and people that don't. It's the, it's the craziest thing. And so people that have money can't watch financial reports. I'm like, but you have money, you're good. No, but this is telling me how I'm going to lose it, you know? And, or there's people that don't have money and they watch it and it makes them anxious because it's just reminding them of what they don't have. Um, it, some folks can engage in certain conversations without anxiety being triggered. How many married people in the room? Just raise your hand. First service normally has more married people. There's a lot of single people here. I'm praying for y'all. And so, um, <laughs> as a, I sincerely am. Um, as a married person, we've had to develop a rule in our home that we don't talk about anything that's even remotely stressful on Saturdays. Because these many years of me preaching, the last thing I need is that we have some verbal World War III, and then I got to come up here, hey, Hope Astoria, how's it going? Like, nah, I don't need that in my life. I'm, I'm, it's too exhausting. And so... So what happens when we're talking on Saturday, if we begin to just in conversation, something is brought up and we're recognizing like, oh, you look a little tense uh, as we're talking about that. <laughs> and I'm feeling it and she's feeling it. It was like, this is a Monday conversation, right? Yeah, it's a Monday conversation. Let's not talk about it. Let's put this to the show. Because we know if we talk about it, it's probably not going to be talked about well. And why risk it? Let's talk about it when we're in a better place. In each of our lives, we have things, relationships, places that once they get in our thoughts, they can cause anxiety to brew. And if peace is not only something that's accomplished for us, but it's also a perspective, you and I have to guard our thoughts. We have to guard our emotions. We have to guard what comes in. More precisely, we have to allow the peace of God to guard what comes into our minds. And we have to refuse anything that will brew the anxiety that we know that Jesus is saying, I want you to walk free from. So this week and beyond, you have some work to do. I want you to pay attention to the conversations, the content, the, the moments, the places that trigger anxiety for you and be aware of those things and consciously have a plan to figure out how you're going to navigate those things with wisdom. Yeah. Because 
What good is it if the peace of Christ guards our hearts and minds because of what he's accomplished, but then we kind of let the gate of our mind open and anything can come in? Then we're allowing stuff to invade that shouldn't be allowed to invade, and it's going to steal the peace that's been accomplished for us because we're not being discerning and safe and wise with respect to what we're allowing that comes before our eyes and gets ingested in our souls. So if you want to uh, overcome anxiety for the long haul, learn how to soar above it, prayer is one wing and the peace of God is this other. And through both of those things, God will, uh, will empower us to soar above it. But again, the peace of God is this twofold experience. It's what Jesus has accomplished for us. And now it's also our perspective. What we're allowing ourselves to feast on mentally, to think upon, to ingest and to experience. If we, through the power of the Holy Spirit, allow Jesus to empower us in these ways, I imagine and dream of a future, a future where you and I will find ourselves less and less overcome with anxiety and will find ourselves more and more soaring above it. It still exists, it's still there, it still can catch us if we're not intentional, but that we allow Jesus to teach us more and more how to soar above it. How many would like that to be your reality moving forward? 2024, we, want, we are in this new year. We don't want to bring old anxieties with us. This is a season where with the word of God and these new practices of prayer, of handing over the things we're anxious about to God, recognizing where non-belief in God is brewing in our hearts. Uh, anxiety has been described as temporary atheism. Where are we allowing this idea that God isn't real to brew in our hearts and live under that lie? Together with all these things, imagine how we can grow over the course of time where anxiety no longer is something that controls us and dominates us, but by the power of the Spirit, we rise above it. With that, I want to invite the worship team to come forward. As the worship team comes forward and we enter into a time of prayer and worship, I want to invite us to stand, if we could stand as a church. Um, and in these next few moments, as we begin to pray and turn our hearts to God in prayer and in worship, I want to encourage you, whatever burden you might be carrying, whatever thing that is causing whether low-grade anxiety or like intense anxiety, as we worship, this would be an opportunity to hand it uh, over to God, place it at his feet. This would also be an opportunity to say, God, let your peace become that guard over my heart, over my mind. Let the reality of your love, that you're for me, not against me, build up my immune system. Pray at this moment and, and kind of, let the word of God that we've been studying get deeper inside of us as together we say, Jesus, we desire a breakthrough in this area of our life. And so as we respond in worship and prayer, could I invite us, could we raise our hands in the presence of God? And over these next few moments, if you would like prayer, all you have to do is slip out of your seat and go to the back. The prayer team is already praying for folks. Um, they'd be more than happy to pray for you. Again, if you'd like prayer, slip out of your seat in these next few moments, and they would love to pray for you for the words that were shared earlier or anything you need prayer for. 
Let's worship together. Let's bring our anxieties to the Lord. Let's let the peace of Christ guard our hearts and minds. Let's worship him together.